near-death experience podcast, an ongoing exploration of spiritually transformative experiences, including NDEs and other phenomena, in order to elucidate the ineffable and better understand our spirituality. All episodes are available at ndepodcast.org. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and guests are not necessarily those of NDE Podcast, the NDERF, any sponsors, or for that matter, anyone else. In the end, the only opinion that really matters is yours. Near-Death Experience Podcast, item number 378, February 7th, 2022. The NDE of Jia Ming. Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast, the official source of audio accounts for the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. I'm Chaz Hathaway, author of Life in the Spirit World, What Near-Death Experiences May Teach About Life on the Other Side. Today we're going to share the experience of Jia Ming from Enderf.org. And I will say, I don't usually, I'm not a big fan of sharing the third-hand accounts where somebody is telling the story of what somebody else experienced, simply because it's not a first-hand account, and so you're getting it third, fourth-hand, whatever. Uh, But I just thought this one was so powerful and enlightening that that I was, uh, you know, I, I couldn't pass it up. And with anything like this, where the source is kind of unclear, there's no questions answered at the bottom, you kind of have to take these kind of experiences with a grain of salt. Um, you know, consider, well, somebody's saying something about something that somebody did. I just want to give that as a, as a heads up up front. Um, you know, if you're a doubter, that is plenty of fuel for you to doubt <laughs> the experience. You know, where does this exactly come from? I'm not entirely sure who it is that's writing this and so forth. But uh, Jia Ming is the, is the one who had the experience. So just be aware of all that. Okay. In 1989, Jia Ming contracted fulminant hepatitis with acute kidney failure. She was sent to a hospital somewhere in southern Taiwan. When she arrived at the hospital, her liver and kidney were non-functioning and her pupils were dilated. The hospital issued a critical condition notice to her family. Later, she was transferred to the emergency room to be resuscitated in Taichung Veterans General Hospital. She woke up after four days in a coma. Subsequently, she had transformed to cast a new light on her life. In life, Gia was very stubborn. She thought God and ghosts were nonsense. Nevertheless, when in a coma, she was in a realm controlled by God. In that multidimensional realm, Gia felt timeless, and she was indifferent to the physical world. She used the word extremely three times during the interview to emphasize that it only mattered to a soul which ranking of levels it was assigned when he or she departed from the flesh. There seemed to be judgment on the other side. It appeared to be judgment of a soul using earthly unethical standards according to human perception. 
When she was in that dimension, she recalled that she led a good life and did not do anything evil when she was alive. Souls who had committed wrongdoings on earth experienced tremendous pains in the other side. She remembered that in her childhood she had always pranked a neighbor who walked by her house. That little girl was intimidated by Gia. As I, my soul, thought about this matter, it was a very painful thought. After she came back to the physical world, Gia tried to find that girl and sincerely wanted to apologize to her because it represented unsettled business to Gia. Finally, after looking for that girl for 14 years, she accidentally met her in a marketplace. Gia happily ran to her and apologized to her. The girl did not remember the pranking at all. However, Gia felt like a burden had been released, and they became good friends after this. When her spirit was floated upward, Gia saw many objects that had not been seen on Earth, such as a spaceship-like or some sort of satellite UFO. Later, she arrived in a space where there was a tall chair like a throne that was emanating light. There were ten giant winged creatures standing next to the throne. I thought, how come their wings were so huge with thick feathers? I could not tell their appearances, but only saw their white-robed images. It was a soft, gentle atmosphere in that realm. I could hear their communications. However, they were not spoken words, but they communicated with harmonic sound. I think they were being kind-hearted and protective. I also stepped on the path of Netherworld, where it was a narrow, flagstone-made road. I remember thinking that in that dimension, there was no name for the roads, yet people named everything on Earth. I wandered, wandered about for a while, and then I heard my brother calling my name. So I moved toward the sound of the voice. My spirit entered back into the body. Once I knew that I was in my flesh, I desperately tried to twist my body to draw their attentions to me. After much effort, my stiff body started to move. Although I could not open my eyes and tongue was still rigid, there was a nurse who finally noticed I was alive. She ran over to inform my sister to come to the intensive care unit. The whole family was crying with joy. Gia hopes her near-death experience will help people who are suicidal or are afraid of death so that they have a new understanding about death. All people have a responsibility on earth because God created and arranged everything. Sometimes our paths are not as easy as they look, but they are granted by God for us to learn the truth, the goodness and beauty of life. Therefore, we should live the fullness of life, be content with what we have, feel at ease under all circumstances, and help others if we are capable. If people are depressed and take his or her own life, then their souls will experience extreme pains. Additionally, they don't know where they're going. After Gia came back from her NDE, she took a break to recuperate started a new career that led to a new chapter of her life. And that is the end of the, the account about Jia Ming. Now you will notice that there are several things in here that 
I wouldn't say run contrary to other near-death experiences, but they certainly appear on the surface to be contradictory with many near-death experiences, specifically, or uh, most of all, the uh, mention of judgment. Um, As she describes it, souls who had committed wrongdoings on earth experienced tremendous pains on the other side. And then she describes a little bit of her own pain experiencing, um, you know, from from a, uh, a girl that she essentially bullied, you know, by means of of uh, playing pranks on her and so forth. She also says it only mattered to a soul which ranking of levels it was assigned when he or she departs from the flesh. There seems to be judgment on the other side. It appeared to be judgment of a soul using earthly, unethical standards, according to human perception. Okay, so that's that's the quote from the account. Now, first off, I do have to say, this is a third-hand account, so we're getting a second filter, and probably a pretty big one at that. The person who is writing the account, when they heard what she described, they describe it as judgment, and so forth. And, and as we talk about near-death experiences, you often hear there is no judgment, there's nothing of, of judgment at all, and then others saying there's definitely judgment, but it is self-judgment, and so forth. And so we can't say for sure what to make of this uh, claim exactly, um, especially when uh, it mentions that there appeared to be judgment using unethical standards, uh, according to the human perception. Now, one thing that occurs to me by this, though, because it sounds like the judgment is much worse than we could have ever imagined, is, is the way it kind of seems to translate to me. But as I look at it more closely, it almost sounds like knowing what we know about near-death experiences, I almost wonder if what it's saying is there is a level of pain that people experience from the things that they did in this life, and it is potentially extreme. Um, and the way they describe the unethical standards from earthly standard, or according to human perception, it being severe. Think about that in terms of life reviews that we've heard. Somebody perhaps has a bad day, and they're walking home, um, or they're walking down the hall or something, somebody says something to them and they kind of bite back. Or maybe they do something kind of mean just because they're just in a bad mood, they're having a hard day, maybe something severe has happened in their life. And, and it's, it's not that they can't be held accountable for their actions because everybody, you know, at some level on this earth anyway, is held accountable for our, our actions. But we also recognize that there are pains and sufferings that can make it more difficult for some than for others in particular situations. If, for example, you just found out that your mother died and somebody calls to ask you to borrow a cup of sugar and you just like, I can't deal with this right now and hang up, that's not as cruel as somebody who is having a wonderful day and feeling kind and then does the same thing simply because they want to mess with the person or something. You know, I don't know what motive for being mean a person might have like that, but uh, but clearly there is a difference of, of those kinds of situations. Well, 
from near-death experience literature about the life review, we find that even those small interactions that were even long forgotten by the experiencer are brought up and they feel pain from them. They feel ashamed for how they treated that person. They may have been 10 years old and, and it's a small thing that they did, but it hurt the person in their life. And they didn't even know it at the time, but they feel that now. Now, by earthly standards, that is a pretty heavy judgment. To, f- to be given a situation where you feel ashamed by something that is virtually harmless, but, uh, but you experience on a really deep level simply because you see the full effects both on the person and on the, uh, the people that they interact with, maybe with the parents who are concerned for their child, whatever. The, those ripples that go out were all caused, were all begun by that one action. And severely judging that one action does sound unethical according to human perception, you might say. But this is what brings me back to the point, is that while judgment does not appear to be the fire and brimstone that we sometimes associate with hell and purgatory and things like that, there does seem to be definitely a very high standard of what we might consider sins against love. Things that we do out of just, you know, just not thinking about it, not not being in the right frame of mind at the right moment. And it's not because we are being whooped for our being bad, but rather it's an opportunity to learn. It's like when a small child, you know, does something that they shouldn't do, which is actually funny or, or, you know, even innocent of itself, but is a wrong behavior and has to be taught so. It's, it's the kind of thing where our spirits long to grow and learn. And in that spirit realm that we come from, it doesn't appear that those lessons can come so easily when we can constantly be knowing each other's thoughts and feelings and have this this situation where it's impossible not to at least sense some level of compassion towards everyone. And we come to this earth where we are locked in these little brains of ours that don't allow us, beyond what we can find with our five plus senses, uh, what other people are thinking, feeling, and experiencing. We have to learn to experience compassion and love at a level that is much more challenging and much more, therefore, educational. Is that an extreme measure or extreme standard for ethical behavior, you might say? Absolutely. And yet, we're not talking about a severe God 
doing severe things to people who do the slightest wrong. We're talking about a loving God who loves us so perfectly that he wants us to understand love on every possible level such that we have to experience some cruelty, even acting out cruelty, so that we can learn the compassion that comes from it. And the forgiveness, both to of, of other people and of ourselves, that I can't think of another way to experience as an eternal being. How does one experience the need and successfully carry through with self-forgiveness in a place where you can sense all the feelings necessary in order to have compassion from the very beginning. You see what I'm saying? We don't step beyond lines over there because we know and we can feel instantly and recognize before we even get there the pain associated with that, which means we can't fully learn the lesson, at least not at the depth and level that is enabled by a human mortal experience. Now, obviously, this doesn't mean we should go around being little Hitlers and and just be cruel people so that we can learn. Actually, it's the other way around. We come here where, you know, every two-year-old is at some level a little Hitler. (laughs) We've all had children in our lives that have small experiences of you know, of a two-year-old being cruel and so forth. We've all been there. There is enough evil in the world to teach us the lessons that we need to learn. So as we learn those lessons in life, as we learn the compassion that comes from, from, you know, doing something unkind and then asking forgiveness and then forgiving ourselves as well as being treated cruelly ourselves, learning to forgive and have compassion for the one causing the pain, all of those lessons, as we learn them in this life especially, the lessons become more refined and they become more more specialized and more careful. I mean, think of the person in your life who is probably the most loving, good pure individual that you can think of. Now think about, if you were to ask them, what are the lessons of love that you are learning now? And they could probably tell you of the simplest things. You know, I was in the grocery store and I saw this woman, you know, trying to reach something on the shelf, and I felt this flood of compassion for her. And I wanted to help, but it was very clear to me that she was embarrassed about her situation and was glancing around, not wanting people to see the, uh, the struggle that she was having. And so, as an act of compassion, I stepped out of view. I mean, that... What, what is that? What is that? <laughs> you know, the kind thing to do is to go and help. But is it? She's experiencing a moment of, of 
discomfort because she doesn't want to be seen. And chances are, if you go and help, she will walk away saying, oh, thank you so much. And then boom, 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 and, and leave and be embarrassed and not want to come to the store again, you know, depending on her personality and so forth. But maybe she's really embarrassed about that for some reason. And this person who is so practiced in compassion and love has refined their their ability to recognize the needs of others to the point that they can see at a moment's notice the need. And this kind of level of spiritual you know, understanding and, and level of learning is the kind of learning that is so necessary in situations where there are multiple kinds of conflicts going on, say in a family or in a in, you know, between friends or in a legal situation where, where there are so many sides to the issue that all appear to be right and to be justified, and yet there is a conflict that is un, insurmountable by the common, you know, everyday standard. You have somebody like this step in, and they can see all these levels, and they can kind of act as a diplomat to help each person see the other person's point of view. It's, it, it's really a valuable level of love that probably most people will not fully uh, experience in this mortal life. And that's okay. Because, you know, like we've talked about, we're here to learn, we're here to grow, and there is plenty of lessons and growth and love to go around. Anyway, so that's kind of what I'm getting out of that, out of that judgment um, thing. It's just those levels of love and compassion. And for Jia Ming, the result was that when she returned to Earth, she sought out, and it sounds like it took a while to find her, but she happened upon this individual who, as a, a young girl, um, 14, looking for that girl for 14 years, she finally stumbles upon her in a marketplace, and she runs to her to apologize. Now, was this apology necessary to her salvation, so to speak? I'm not sure that's the point. But what did it do for her? It lifted a burden from Gia that she'd been carrying for years since then, and the two become good friends. The result of the lesson was love. A new relationship better than it ever could have been. That is the very fruit of love. That is the fruit of what those life lessons of love leads to. Friends, loved ones, family. And yes, there are times when those, when relationships, it leads to relationships actually being cut off or broken off in order to preserve and protect love. But if that's what it takes, then the lesson is worth it. So with that, thank you again, all of you, for listening. Chaz and I thank you for listening to Near-Death Experience Podcast. You can reach out to your hosts by using chaz, C-H-A-S, at ndepodcast.org and john, J-O-H-N, at ndepodcast.org. 
You can text or call the show at 970-633-2278. That's 970-NDE-CAST. Calling allows you to record your message in three-minute increments. If your message runs longer than three minutes, just call back and we can splice the segments together. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching NDE Podcast on those sites. And join our Facebook NDE Podcast community. Please leave feedback for the show on iTunes or via whatever application you use to listen to us. Doing so will allow our audience to grow and help spread the knowledge about spiritually transformative experiences to more listeners. You can help keep the show financially viable by purchasing Chaz's music or his book under the store link on the ndepodcast.org website or by going to patreon.com slash ndepodcast where you can make a one-time only donation or become an ongoing supporter. Whether you decide to write or call us or you choose to support the show either financially or by writing a review or by listening and sharing us with others, we are so humbly thankful for you. We can't begin to express how much touching you spiritually means to us. Chaz and I thank you for joining us. We hope you keep listening and applying the understanding you gain from the show about your existence after this earthly life so you have a better life right now. And to love one another. This is your host, John Messer, reminding you that it's all about attitude and gratitude. And our attitude should always be love.